to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Good morning. Hello and welcome to Masonia Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. We're here weekly to discuss the journeys of food entrepreneurs, and this is Sarah Masoni. Usually you'll hear Sarah Marshall making this introduction, but she's on her way to Seattle this weekend for the Renegade Gift Craft Show. And I do have a bit of news for this this morning to share with you. Um, Portland's Crafty Wonderland is happening this weekend at the convention center. You can shop there for local uh, delights and crafts. I know Marshall's Hot Sauce will be there, as will Rose City Sweets. A shout out to Shanda as she gets her candy ready for her, for your enjoyment. Also this weekend, Portland Bazaar is happening at the Yale Union booth, uh, both Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 4. If you have any events or announcements that you'd like to have us share, please uh, send them to us uh, through the comments section on our website at www.startupradionetwork.com. And today we have a guest from far away. We have Jessica Craig joining us from New Jersey. Hi, Jessica. Good, good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming uh, to the show via phone. I'm really excited to have you here with us. Can you tell us a little bit about your company and what your product is? Sure. Uh, my product is a carbonated seltzer that's infused with some really lovely uh, fruit-based balsamics. And, uh, yeah, it's a brand-new company, Startup, and it's called uh, Tarta Beverages. Oh, what a great name. Wow. Thanks. Was it hard to find the name for your company? Yes. It was? I could go on for, I could go on for days. I, I, I went back and forth. We had several ideas, and um, it, it, was, it was difficult to find, I think, the perfect fit. But once we came up with Tarta, we knew that it was right. Can you tell me, I know you told me a story about how excited your husband is about the name of the company. You said something about him going through the house. Doing, oh, yes. Yeah? yeah? What, yes, what, yes. What is he, he, <laughs> I think the name Tarta uh, really sparked something in his uh, alpha male brain. Yeah. He really, yes, he really likens it to the word Sparta. Oh. So uh, <laughs> when he says the name Tarta, he gets into his really uh, alpha brain state, Greek mode, and uh, and says it more like a titan would say it. So um, you know, visually, it's it's very funny to watch him say Tarta the way he says it. It's almost like a gladiator type of uh, of expression. 
That's really cool. That shows me that he's really um, backing you on this uh, new venture. And I want to know a little bit more about how you and your husband decided to start this business. Can you tell us a little sure. bit about happy that? To sh- happy to share. Happy to share. Uh, my inspiration really came from uh, my daughters. Um, I've spent my entire adult life um, in the health business, um, and then I've done some things in my personal life in the health and fitness business. And uh, when I had my children, I really wanted to focus on having them eat whole foods, real foods, um, and that includes uh, beverages, right, watching Mm -hmm. what they drank. Mm -hmm. You know, I raised them, you know, without juice and without... Um, never anything canned and things of that nature. My children were so blessed to have uh, my mother here with us when they were babies making homemade foods and everything from sockeye salmon to steamed vegetables, you name it. Mm. And um, that always led me to want to lead a healthy lifestyle for them and lead by example. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, I didn't quite capture how difficult it would be to fight all of society as my children got older and oh. became young adults themselves. Yeah, that's a right? big, that's I mean, a big lift, isn't it? Exactly. It is a very big lift. I mean, we forget that there are so many different factors as to how they shape their own palates and their exposure to real world in quotes, right? So there's advertisements, there's birthday parties, there's school functions. And I started to notice a shift in my oldest daughter um, in her drinking habits, especially. Oh, Oh. yes. Yes. Did she want to have the cool cans that everybody else has? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. She Mm -hmm. wanted to, she wanted to blend. Um, She wanted to blend in. She wanted to drink Sprite, and she wanted to drink Coca-Colas, and she wanted to be, in her words, a normal kid. A normal kid? <laughs> a Aww. normal kid. Can't and, blame her. Um, uh, no, no, because at that age, you know, when you're, when you're an adolescent and you're a teenager, it's a natural physiological desire to want to be a part of the pact. You know, yeah. you don't want to be the odd man out, so to speak, no matter how many times I try to emphasize to her and to all of my my children, my three daughters, that it's often great to be the only one. Yeah. Right? I they mean, don't get it when it's happening, right? They don't no, get it when it's not, happening. But later they'll no. reflect back and they'll be like, wow, my mom was so smart. <laughs> uh, Let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope that's what she says. They do. So I, uh, thank you. I was very um, concerned as to why she wanted to drink these sodas. And I gave her an alternative in the in the way of seltzers. And mm-hmm. that progressed, and she was drinking seltzer in copious amounts, and, and the uh. flavorings became a concern for mm-hmm. me because there was no upside to what she was drinking yeah. in terms of a health profile. So I, I one day just decided to entertain the concept of seltzers and just kind of go back to old cookbooks and old ways of doing things. And I did a lot of research and I started to just 
turn my kitchen into a laboratory. I mean, that's basically oh. what it became. I just started to mix and mix and mix and a mixologist came every week. Exactly. I became my own mixologist. Mm-hmm. And I knew that um, I was onto something when I finally hit a combination that she very much enjoyed and still makes to this day. So that's that became your big idea and your motivation was your daughter. That's wonderful. 100% because I thought if I am feeling this way and my daughter's doing this and feeling this way, there has to be a way that we can get over the hump, put something in it for the kids or the consumer, whoever it may be, and we can all meet somewhere in the happy middle. Yeah. So you live in Princeton, New Jersey. That is a long way from Oregon. What motivated you to commute to Oregon to start this new beverage startup company? Well, that's easy. That's an easy one. Of course, when I met everybody at the show. Oh, which show was that? Uh, that was the fancy food show in oh. New York, um, where I went completely as a novice and a spectator. I had a few business cards, and I had established a shell of a company in the in the way of an LLC just to get into the show. And I was absolutely taken aback. But when I went to the food incubation center where the startups were, I very much liked the products that um, Oregon State was producing. I loved the people that I met. Um, And then, of course, I met you. And you were so enchanting and Uh. so excited about my concept. (laughs) And I'm not just saying that. Yeah. (laughs) That's so true. So true. That comes from the heart. Yeah. And I appreciated that you gave my idea your time and your consideration and Mm -hmm. I felt that it was sincere. Yeah. So for me, sincerity is priceless Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to travel for it. Oh, well, thank you. Your ultimate expertise. (laughs) Well, we're loving working with you at the food innovation center and we wouldn't change a thing about it. Hey, um, so so you're working on this product and you start with an original name. I think it was, was it Truby? And now it's Truby. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and um, so you're working on the branding and you're trying to find someone to design that branding. What ultimately did you end up doing? Did you find someone to help you with that? I did. I did. So I think when you're an entrepreneur like me, I, one of the things that I think is important is to surround yourself with people that no more than you do in the realm in which you're exploring. Mm -hmm. So for me, for example, I wanted to go to who I consider the best in terms of food innovation. And that's why I wanted to work with you and your team. Yeah. From there, it spiraled into, okay, who can help me design a brand and help me grow a brand? Well, who is the best? You know, who is the best here in Portland since I'm coming? You know, I was going to Portland almost every every month yes. um, to work on the formulation. So from there, you know, meeting Anton Kimball uh, in Portland, who's so tenured uh, in the world of marketing, in the world of design, mm-hmm. you know, again, you have to trust that you're working with the best. And I think that looking at their track record and doing your diligence and, and listening to what they offer and what people have to say around you is very, very important. 
Um, I think for the entrepreneur, it's, it's for me at least, it's knowing what I don't know mm-hmm. and knowing what I'm knowing what my strengths are not, mm-hmm. and being able to say, you know, you know more about marketing or branding or designing than I do. Yeah. So let me see what you have to think in and say after all your years of experience. I, I really uh, trust the team that I've created. Uh, in Portland, uh, and I, I put a lot of stock in that, and that's how I came up with our beautiful design and our canning and our and our delicious formula. Do you mind going a little deeper into how that whole thing played out? Because I actually don't always get to participate in that portion of the business. Usually I just send people off with a list of people to visit with, and I say, hey, here's three or four people around the city you can meet with. Um, sure. So did so sure. when you contacted Anton, and then what happened? You had a meeting with him. You that's correct. Okay, did you? That's correct. You yes. brought Go your ahead. product there, and he tasted it. Uh, no, Anton. Uh, God bless him. Was started was doing this blindly, never tasting the product. Okay. So I basically uh, described the product to him as best I could. And I told him what I wanted, what I envisioned the product looking like, always thinking of my customer. Yes. I think that's that's what made the process easier, for lack of a better term, that I did a good job of telling Anton what my customer looks like what they do on a daily basis. Can you tell how us? How they like to live. Uh, sure. Okay. I mean, my customer my customer is uh, generally a female Yeah. Um, because I still think that females have a more diverse palate. They do. Um, sorry, guys. I know they're going to come for me, but that's okay. It's the truth. Um, it's, you know, so I, I they're mostly female. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say they're pr- adults. Uh, as much as my daughter isn't an adult, but she has a well-developed taste. But most of my customers are going to be adult women, I would say, between the ages of 30 and 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, very health-conscious. Um, they they like whole foods. They like to eat organically. They like to live a clean lifestyle, although they're not always perfect, right? I mean, yeah. because this isn't about perfection. This is about how do we do something and how do we change the narrative on the things that we are drinking that we are utilizing to settle a craving, right? That we're utilizing to settle a craving. So um, that's my customer. It's the woman who's working out a few days a week, who is probably working, who has a few children, who is vested in herself and is thinking about what she's putting in her body. Although, again, this is never about perfection. It doesn't mean this woman doesn't enjoy dessert. It doesn't mean this woman doesn't like some ice cream or some cookies, because I know I do. Yeah. Are you (laughs) Um, kind of describing yourself? I think so to a degree, yes. I totally do. (laughs) Knowing me. Yeah. Yes. I I mean, I I am very much so my customer, uh, which is which makes makes it easier to sell it, right? You can sell it when you believe it. That's correct, because I know what she's going through. Yeah, and the other thing that I find very powerful about what you're doing is that you believe in it a million percent, 
And it's really about people that you know are out there living kind of the same sort of beliefs and systems in their households that will want to purchase your product. So that's pretty exciting. So you sure. you contacted Anton, and then he sent you a proposal um, with his services, and you said you decided, okay, let's go ahead with this. But one of the things that I found very interesting of the process was that he actually helped you find this new name, Tarta. Correct. And he sent you a bunch of options. What were some of the options that you contemplated and then ultimately didn't choose? Yes, uh, I contemplated so many of the names that he had sent because they were all good in their own unique ways. There were only a few that I thought, oh, that's definitely not going to work. Yeah. Um, But, for example, one of my favorites was uh, Vio. Vio. Spelled V-I-O. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a lovely name. It was very Mm Italian-inspired, but... Once I realized that there was a similar product by a major coffee uh, retailer, I thought that's probably oh. not a good idea to impose on on a coffee uh, retailer that has a location almost on every block of, of the continental U.S. Yeah, we can probably, guess who that is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So probably not a smart uh, move on my part. Did so you that, did that you make all those decisions on your own or did you have legal advice or how did you how did you work through each one of those names? Uh, well, you can do a simple uh, Google search. Okay. You know, uh, of a name. That's what I would tell any entrepreneur. You don't need a lawyer okay. um, or legal counsel to tell you that a name is not going to work. You know, you can you can search the U.S. government database of of trademarks. trade names. I think it's called Tress, right? T R E S. That's correct. Yep. That's correct. You can search Tress, and if you see anybody or any name um, in that grouping, for example, in the food and beverage business, that you know is already existent, whether live or dead, or sounds like a name that you're interested in, you, you probably won't get approval for that name. Yeah. So. Um, or if, you know, also if you just do a Google search, you go on Amazon, if there's any products that have a name that even sounds similar to yours, you're probably not going to get the approval. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult process. It's an arduous process. My best recommendation is don't pick something that's uh, mundane, for lack of a better word, or is a, or is an, an adjective or a noun that we use every day. Um because that's not going to work, even yeah. if you spell it in a different way. Yeah. That probably isn't going to get you what you need. You're better off really uh, just making up a name. Uh, uh, that's as bluntly as, as bluntly as I can say it. You have to literally make yeah. up a name that no one has ever come up with. And so you do that search for the name. But I, I think you could take it even a step further and you can go on any of the social media places and see if anyone has any tags or names that are um, that they're currently using to sort absolutely, of... Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Because it's very tempting also, uh, I want to say to future, to anyone thinking about getting into, the bus- into this business or any business, um, it's also tempting not to brand at all, for example. Like some people will say, well, some smaller companies can skip that process because... You know, it's, again, it's it's arduous. You have to pay for it. It's It's not easy. Um, 
but that's not advisable. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, I would say, come up with a really creative name. I advise that you register for your name because you don't want to have your product take off. You have an amazing brand, and then when you least expect someone in the industry, you know, comes knocking at your door and tells you to cease and desist because the name is infringing on someone else's product. So you'd have to rebrand and start anew, which is uh, timely and expensive. So Yeah. And in the same breath, it's like you want your brand to look uh, bigger than it is to get the Always. attention of the retailers and the buyers. Correct. And Correct. so and you just want to be professional. Yeah. So something else that you have done that I thought was like epic was that when you were here the last time in Portland, you actually had an appointment with a distributor. Correct. And that is cool. So <laughs> thank you. First of all, a lot of people will call the distributors and they won't even like know what to say. And I think this leads me to my next question. And that is who taught you to be such a great salesperson? <laughs> um, I, I think I have to go back to, you know, my parents, probably my, my dad, you know, he yeah. was a, my dad was an Italian immigrant. My mother is a, is a Colombian immigrant mm -hmm. and they came to the U S with, with not much, I think like most immigrants, just wanting to be American and, and make it make a better life. Yeah. Um, and I, I was around a lot of business when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, and I, I could hear my, my dad speak to people a lot and he would talk to me a lot about, you know, interactions that he'd have with his customers and, mm -hmm. and how to interact with the customer. And most importantly, I think I learned at a young age, how to make the customer feel yeah always mm. you know that the, that the key to a sale is not your product because yeah. it, it's it's the customer we think when we buy something we're buying the product yeah but we're really not you're buying the story first right yes. you're buying the story you're buying the feeling you're buying mm -hmm. the emotion that comes attached to that product and that is so so powerful it makes us buy things every single day, um, but it's the way that the way the salesperson or the way the name makes you feel. Yeah. Um, and I I took that to heart uh, my whole life. I spent my entire adult life in sales, mm -hmm. although it was difficult sales. I started my career in oncology sales. Whoa. Um, for for different yes, I were I've worked for Pfizer. I've worked worked for biotech firms and I've done pediatric oncology, adult oncology, where I think that really helped me develop that sense of feeling. How am I making my customer feel at yeah. this moment? Um, you know, the, the fact that we were a team that my, my clients were top-notch surgeons or parents with a sick child and how am I making this person feel? What is in it for them if I allow them or if they do go ahead and administer my product to their child um, who is obviously sick? Yeah. So I, uh, I wrapped all those lessons into a, into a big box in my mind. Mm. And I think when I unravel it and I, I open up that sales box, I think the number one thing that I always circle back to is the customer has to feel that you always have their best interest at heart. And yes. 
as if they're they are the only customer that matters. Yeah, and I think that's always served me. Yeah, there's three uh, F words: feel, felt, found. That go together for sales. It's called soft yes. selling. Correct. Correct. Yes. Um, and and I think I've always. I've always put that first is making every customer feel like they're my only customer. And, and they are that in that moment. At 1000%. Absolutely. Yeah. Every customer matters to me. Yeah. Every customer will always matter to me. Mm-hmm. Tarta will never get, will never lose sight of that. And anyone that ever comes to be a part of the Tarta team has to feel the same way. Yeah. They have to be completely vested in what's best for the customer. And that's one of the things that I love about this product. It's that it's the only seltzer on the market mm-hmm. that offers a real benefit, a true benefit with a health profile to the customer. It's wonderful. You know. Okay. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to chat about some of the flavors you've developed. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. Okay, we're back, and let's talk about the flavors that you've developed. I think one of my favorites actually is a cherry cola. Can you tell us about that one? <laughs> the cherry cola is delicious, I have to say. Uh, the cherry cola started because I wanted something that would pair well, believe it or not, with my love of pizza. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good idea. I know. Sorry, everyone, but I do love my pizzas, and my family and I travel for pizza. Oh, where so have you traveled? Like, said, tell oh, us about a pizza travel story. Oh, lordy, lordy. We travel, well, just a few weeks ago, we traveled to Staten Island oh. to a place called Lee's Tavern, which is a little tiny, tiny corner place um, with locals. In a traditional Italian Staten Island neighborhood where they make a delicious clam pizza. Clam pizza. pizza? with Oh, my goodness. It's delicious. I think of it almost daily. What is a white pizza? I'm, Us folks out here uh, on the East or West Coast don't know what a white yeah, pizza is. That's a good East Coast thing. It's, yeah. just a, it's just basically dough and cheese. They omit the sauce. Mm. So it, it's... Um, it's really, it's cheesy, but not too cheesy. And you, the sauce doesn't interfere with whatever toppings you have on there. Mm. So in the case of the clam pizza, the clams are, they're diced really tiny and they're nice and fresh and briny. Mm. So you get the brine of the clam with the cheese of the, you know, of the mozzarella and you put that on there and there's no oh. sauce to get in the way. And it's just amazing. Does it's it? just happiness. Did you even have leftovers? <laughs> there were no leftovers oh, on that trip, believe shoot. me, sadly, sadly, oh. because we we do a good job when we go for pizza. We're pretty good eaters, I have to say. So <laughs> the beverage is uh, cherry cola flavored, but what is, because it's a balsamic vinegar based, right? Yes, yes, yes. So that is an aged balsamic, uh, that is an aged balsamic uh, infusion into that 
into that formulation Mm -hmm. that we combined with some other uh, natural extractions like strawberry and things like that to give you that, or cherry to give you that nice cherry fruity Mm -hmm. um, feel toward, toward the kind of like the back of the mouth there. So it makes you feel it's so reminiscent of the cherry colas that we used to drink as kids, not knowing how detrimental they were. That being said, we all enjoyed them. Um, And it pairs really beautifully with, um, carbohydrates like pizza with, with, I bet it would be good I think with, in a, our mind, with a hamburger and fries too. 1000% with anything like hamburger and fries, with anything that's kind of like you, when you're having your nice cheat meals and you're less than ideal and you're just, you just want to have fun. This is a great way to do it because you get the benefits of, of the vinegar that I think a lot of people are familiar with. Although apple cider vinegar has gotten the most uh, notoriety for its health benefits. But the truth is, is that all vinegars have the same health components um, to lower your glycemic index, to help your absorption, to help your digestive system. So drinking something like the cherry cola formulation with a higher carbohydrate or higher uh, caloric meal um, will only help you, will yeah. only help you in several ways. So it's it's definitely not a magic bullet, but it's a it's a nudge in the right direction for sure. So I have a little bit of an insider's view of what's going on, but I know you have, I believe, five or six flavors that you've been working on. Do you want to tell us about the other flavors? Sure, okay. they're all they're all delicious. They're all unique. Uh, we have a champagne lemon, which I happen to love. That comes from a, a white grape varietal. Um, that has some some uh, lemon, uh, natural lemon occurring flavors in that in that design. We have a honey wildflower, which is delicious. That's also another white grape that has some really beautiful uh, natural honey infused uh, in that balsamic. Mm-hmm. And then we have the um, orange blossom flavor. So the orange blossom tastes like a liquid bouquet to me it mm. just it's it's orange it's floral floral it's delicate yeah. floral it's just it's just so delicious and um and palatable and easy to drink you would never think that vinegar could taste so good i think vinegar's gotten a bad rap for a long time and tart is going to change that sounds delicious so let me ask you a couple more questions about your family. So your husband uh, is participating, and I'm anticipating he's going to be at the food show in January. Uh, That's right. And you were talking about the possibility of putting him in a special outfit. Do you think that's really going to happen? <laughs> well, much to his chagrin, I will not be allowing him to uh wander through the fancy food show in a Greek toga with a, uh, you know, Spartan type of, um, you know, uh, costume, for lack of a better term. I think he uh, you should, know, actually. Maybe I, not well, this maybe year. maybe he should. But uh, maybe once, next year. Yeah, when you have your own booth, because I've actually yeah. seen people... Like the Three Twins Ice Cream Company, they put one of their guys in a suit that's made from fabric that matches their um, branding on their pints. 
And yeah, you can I mean, see maybe, that guy coming a mile from a mile away. It's maybe, amazing. maybe I will for sure. Maybe next year when we have our own booth, I think he might be able to pull this off. But I'd have to yeah. really work on a tan. I'd have to really get him a good, <laughs> good spray tan. <laughs> There's always because spray I don't tan. Think, yeah, I don't think the Greeks were quite as fair skinned as my husband is. God bless yeah. them. I don't think they look. I don't think they look this Irish. Just maybe saying. it should be an Irish getup instead of. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe it should be more like a kilt, yeah. like, a, like a Scottish kilt type thing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All right. We're getting there. We're I like getting that there. idea. I know. I know. It's cute. It's cute. But he's very excited to, to join the show. And and uh, he's he's excited. You know, he's excited for the prospect and to and to start the business and to launch the product. He loves the product. He I, he was one of my first uh He's been really been through the ringer with the taste testing, I have to say. He's been uh, a good a good sport. That's great. So we're prepping for the show and as a startup, it's very difficult to bring product, especially when you're doing a beverage that's been manufactured in a processing facility. So the product is gonna be manufactured at the Food Innovation Center. And what have been some of the challenges? What have we tell us a little bit about what we've had to do to get you to a place where we're going to be able to have a beverage at the Fancy Food Show. Yes. Now, this has been challenging. This is this is a little bit different, I think, for my product than for others because my product requires carbonation. Mm-hmm. Um, and although I toyed with the idea of having specifically made up the show, um, I I later, after thinking about it, because that you know, as an entrepreneur, you're thinking about this almost constantly. Yeah. And and things come, things enter your mind, and I thought to myself, that's probably not the best way to sample the product because I really wanted the product, as everyone does at the food at the food fancy food show, to taste its best all the time. Yeah. Hard to do. Yeah. With gases and bubbles and carbonation, you know. It, carbonation. So uh, we devised, uh, thanks to to Mike and your team and everyone at the the, uh, Food Innovation Center, devised a way to prepare the product in what would be like a a keg form. Yes. And um, we went and bought some specific parts to, to attach to those kegs so that I could serve my flavors almost as if they were coming out of a tap, yeah. right? So every sample will be carbonated to the best of our ability, yeah. Um, which will actually be much more effective in terms of what the product will taste like Yes. Um, instead of having a can. Because as you know, once you open a can and it sits out for a few minutes, that carbon is just dissipating in the air. That yeah. carbonation is just floating right out of it. So... Um, we're not totally finished. You know, I have to I have to get a, a, a carbon tank when I get to Actually, San Francisco and all those things. I haven't told you yet, but the show can provide the CO2 tank. So I'm working on that for you. Surprise! Fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is my Christmas gift. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Santa yeah. Sarah. So I just have to confirm that, but the Freeman Group, who's the group that runs the back of the house stuff for the fancy food show, apparently have the CO2 tanks 
that we can uh, rent for the booth. So, Sarah, there is no Santa, everyone. It is just Sarah uh, for me this year. <laughs> that's funny. Thank you so much. Oh, well, I thought you might be happy to hear that news. Uh, I am just a little bit happy. That is, is an understatement. Kind of relief. <laughs> so one of the things that we try and do when we're at the Fancy Food Show is connect with buyers. Do you have your eyes set on some different buyers that you're hoping to meet there? For sure. Um, I think everyone wants, I mean, everyone wants to speak to Whole Foods, right? Yeah. Um, everyone wants the Whole Foods buyer. I think anyone from the metro markets would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone that is stocking a product like Tarda would be fantastic. Anyone in the health food sector, in the in the um, specialized health food market would be great. But I would be uh, less than honest if I didn't say that my my eyes on, are set on Whole Foods for sure. Well, that's a great goal for the show. I can't wait to see what happens. We had Me some uh, great buyers come by the booth last year, and I'm sure it'll be a repeat this year. I so, um, do you have any tips or tricks that you might want to share with startup uh, food entrepreneurs when it comes to um, creating the brand and making that first sale? Do you have any plans in your head about how that's going to happen for you? I think, um, sure. I, I think, again, you have to be confident in the product and why it's, why it's special. Mm-hmm. You have to really separate in your mind why your product is so unique and why it's going to be special to the buyer. So for me, in my mind... I look at it from a buyer's point of view, mm-hmm. right? So the buyer has, you know, a plethora of products coming toward them, him, you know, him or her at the show or, you know, at at their office, uh, you know, they, they have samples that are left, et cetera. Yeah. So I put myself in the position of the buyer. And if I were the buyer, what am I looking for? Yeah. What is going to what is going to make me feel like a product is next level and why? And I think that circles back to really not being afraid Mm -hmm. to sell the product. Yeah. You know, I think the word sales or selling for whatever reason makes people very anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say to the entrepreneurs not to be anxious. I would say, believe in your product, Mm. you know, know your product inside and out and always paint the picture of your customer to the buyer or anyone that you discuss the product with as to why it's special, you know, connect with the product and believe that once you work with the best people, such as yourself and the teams and the marketing and the, the design people and all of those things that once you get the product in hand, you're going to be able to take that product forward and 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 take it to the next level. So you have to so trust that, the process. That's what I would say. One thousand percent. Trust the people that you hire. Yeah, you're hiring them for the right reasons, and let them do what they do best. Mm-hmm. But the product, at the end of the day, belongs to the entrepreneur. Yeah, and they're going to listen to what the designer, what the entrepreneur has to say. The woman or the man that turned their kitchen into a lab. You know, the woman or the man that had this idea since they were in their twenties and 
you know, finally is bringing it to market. That passion, no one can duplicate the passion yeah. like, like the actual entrepreneur has. So, trust your gut, trust yeah. yourself. So the next step for you is to find someone to manufacture the the drinks for you and tell 1, us yeah tell us a little bit about that that's been an interesting process my recommendation always <laughs> is to try and find three people or three manufacturers to go ahead and interview and see which one is the best fit for you correct and we've correct. we've looked at one and we're going to look at two more um, that's right how are you feeling about that uh i you know i'm i'm fine with it because okay. again i um I know that I'm going to find the perfect team for me and for Tarta. And I feel that this is where the entrepreneurial faith has to really come in. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is where your gut really plays a very, very strong role, Mm -hmm. stronger than anything else, right? Because even, let's say, for example, you have, I have a formulation that everyone likes and I might not necessarily love, but I test it and test it and it turns out that the public likes it. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to run with that formulation because the people have spoken. Yes. Correct. However, when Consumer it comes research. to something as 1000%, but when it comes to something as vital as the production process mm-hmm. and who you're handing over your baby to, yeah. if you will, it is, that's the most important piece. That's, that's, that ha- that is your second family in my opinion the relationship with the production team is as important as the product itself yes because they can make or break they can make or break your product right um you have to trust them uh, you know with your eyes closed you have to trust that they're going to do the right thing that the product is going to taste the same after every run that they're familiar with your ingredients, that they're willing to buy your ingredients in the event that you are, you know, not paying attention or they run out or et cetera. It is such a matter of trust mm-hmm. that uh, for me, I, I, I'm a, I have a very good sense of judgment uh, when yeah. it comes to these people. Again, hearkening back to when I was a child and, and being around so many different business people, I think I think I know the right fit when I see it, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I have all the faith in the world that it's only a matter of a few days. Yeah, It'll all work itself out, but I would say to anyone listening, your packer is very, very important. In fact, it's not critical. I would yeah. say maybe the word critical there. <laughs> yeah, and I would recommend, if you can, to actually go to the co-manufacturer and be there during production and... See if you can actually, you know, monitor what's going on, be there to taste and make sure that everything is just perfect. For sure. I think that's also critical that no matter where you are located, um, if you are launching like me on, you know, in the on the West Coast, that you you go there and you're there for that first run and you're tasting that product come right off the line. Yeah. You know, it has to taste exactly as you designed it, exactly as you'd expect it to taste. Yep. And not only that, you want to make sure the carbonation is correct and have a little bit of uh, technical information, make sure that the bricks and sugar content or sugar level is correct and the pH is correct before they go ahead and put it into thousands of cans. Exactly. You yeah. just want to be sure. And I think it also says a lot to 
the the co-packer how Mm -hmm. vested you are. Um, They need to see that you as the entrepreneur, that this is your your investment, your concept, your idea, your funding. Mm -hmm. And they need to see that you're very serious about the quality of the product that you're asking them to produce. Yeah. That you're watching, I think, is very, very important that they that they know that, you know, that you're in it to definitely win this. Yeah. So you have a confidentiality agreement in place with your co-packer. You turn over a deck of information, your formulas and any technical information you have. And you have specifications for any ingredients that you're giving to them to put into your product. One of the important things about co-packers is you have to actually give them information to be able to hold them accountable. If you don't give them the information, then you can't really have any checks in place to make sure that everything's correct. Correct. All right. Well, we're running down to our last few moments here. I'm wondering, is there anything that you would like to share? Any last minute things that we didn't go over so far in our talk? No, I think we've covered pretty much everything. I would say um, to just be prepared for the emotional roller coaster of entrepreneurship when you have these concepts and these ideas, yeah. uh, to be prepared of the daily doubts that can ensue from hour to hour, moment to moment, and uh, and just try to enjoy the ride. Don't forget that this is supposed to be something fun. You're supposed to have fun along the way as an entrepreneur and uh, and, and just enjoy the, the blessing of working with amazing people in this business and, and take advantage of, of all the opportunities because there are, there are so many out there and there's so many great people. And um, I know I've been very lucky to work with, with amazing people in Portland. I've, I've, uh, what can I say? I, I love that place. I, I Portland to me is, it feels like home when I get there for whatever reason. And, um, you know, just, just take it day by day, stay focused, work hard, and, and try to have a little fun along the way. Yeah. Everything will work out. So last piece I want to ask you about is social media. I want to make sure that people can find you. What are some of the places in social media that folks can find your new product? Sure. We are on uh, Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um, and of course, Facebook under drinktarta.com, and that's T A R T A. So. so it's at drinktarta. That's correct. Okay. It's drinktarta. Yep. Sweet. All right. And it'll be it'll it'll develop as I go, but for now, I have I have those handles in development. So that's wonderful. Thank you, Jessica, for calling in today. We really appreciate you taking time to share all this valuable information about your startup and the process that you've been going through. We love to have folks like you on our show to help people understand how to actually get this idea to market. We record uh, Masoni and Marshall live inside of the Ned Space uh, here in Portland. So tune in live every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or find us on iTunes and SoundCloud for your listening enjoyment. If you'd like to be a guest on our show or have food news to share with us, go to www.startupradionetwork.com and send us a message through the comments section. A big thank you to Alon, our studio engineer, and our production assistant, Chelsea. Bye for now and thanks for listening.
committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.